Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It's our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. There are two words that will fill the headlines and be on the lips of everyone in the days leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. What are these two words? Peace and security. Of course, these are both things that we want, but at what cost? Today, Pastor J.D. will share with us how the words peace and security are being spoken more frequently now more than ever. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 23rd, 2018. I want to talk about what I see as, and I'm going to use this word for a reason, the unprecedented week that lies ahead starting tomorrow and into Tuesday is of such significance. While we'll look at the developments of this last week, we usually do that, I think it would be good to look at what's coming up in the next week as well. And the reason is, is that we're now witnessing on the world stage, both geopolitically and prophetically, that which has never happened before. That's why I use the word unprecedented. And please know, and I think those of you who know me know, that I don't want to ever come off or sound sensational. Rather, I'm simply stating what I would argue is factual and biblical as it relates to Bible prophecy. And I hope you'll hear me out as I argue that case. I want to draw your attention to three specific prophecies, which I know for many are going to be familiar, but if not, if you'll just kindly allow me to uh, briefly mention what these prophecies entail. Let's start with 1 Thessalonians 5.3. This is a prophecy about how that, while, interesting details in this prophecy, while they are saying two words, peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them as a woman travailing in labor, and they will not escape. That's First Thessalonians 5.3. The second one, again, I'm sure known to many, is Isaiah 17.1. Very specific prophecy concerning the total destruction of the city of Damascus, Syria, so much so that it becomes an uninhabitable, ruinous heap. The third is Ezekiel 38, very detailed prophecy again, about how Russia, Iran, and Turkey, as the three main nations, along with others, 
invade Israel for the purpose of taking spoils, which is the King James way of saying riches. I want to begin with this observer report, quoting UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, talking about the upcoming UN General Assembly, which commences on Tuesday, this Tuesday. After comparing the General Assembly to speed dating, which is interesting because it is fast, Haley was quoted as saying, listen, what I can tell you is that this is the week we all wait for where we can all put U.S. interests in the spotlight, make it a really big prominent thing with all the administration coming in, They are going to come and do their thing, and we're all going to try to see if we can get some good peace and security and agreements passed. The reason I wanted to start this way is because of all that's happened between last year's and This year's UN General Assembly is the likes of which we have never seen before. Again, why I use the word unprecedented. Chief of which was the relocating of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was on May 14th, Israel's 70th anniversary. In other words, coming into last year's UN General Assembly, the embassy had not been relocated yet. There were many other developments of prophetic significance leading up to this year's UN General Assembly, but the one that has prophecy students and prophecy teachers watching very closely is the escalation of the situation in Syria. Again, uh, we didn't see what's happening in Syria today happening prior to last year's UN General Assembly. And when you see Syria as a catalyst of sorts, or a trigger, if you prefer, then everything starts to make more sense. All the prophecy puzzle pieces fall perfectly into place. And one of the reasons is, is that Russia, Iran, and Turkey, again, the main three mentioned in Ezekiel 38, are in Syria at the ready, which they were not, prior to last year's UN General Assembly. On Thursday, Breaking Israel News published a report about how Israel is upgrading their nuclear defenses in response to Iranian-Syrian threats. Let me quote the report. Listen to this. In a highly unusual and unprecedented move, The director general of Israel's Atomic Energy Commission made a public statement about explicit threats by Iran and its proxies to attack Israel's nuclear sites. The timing of the Iranian request was ironic. It came on the back of an Israeli missile strike in Syria at Latakia. This was on Monday night. I'm sure you heard about this. We'll talk about it in a moment which is thought to have targeted a regime military weapons warehouse said to contain a cache set to be transferred to Hezbollah in Lebanon. Lebanon, my birthplace. Now, it's important to understand that this Israeli missile strike in Syria led 
to the downing of a Russian plane killing 15 servicemen over Latakia, which according to the Jerusalem Post, Russia was, and as of this morning still is, blaming Israel for. There's a problem though. (laughs) The problem with pointing the fingers of blame at Israel is that it wasn't Israel who shot it down, it was (laughs) the Syrian air defense that mistakenly shot down the Russian plane. In other words, this was textbook friendly fire. We were talking about this on Thursday night about uh, when the Assyrians had besieged the city of Jerusalem and God said and promised uh, to uh, the Israelites that not one Assyrian would enter the city and not one arrow (laughs) would fly into the city. There's 185,000 Assyrians. And whenever the Assyrians would besiege a city, they would just surrender because (laughs) they would conquer every city they came to. And so, which is interesting because in the Psalms, that's where uh, Paul, I don't mean to digress too much here, but maybe this is a word for somebody here today. You know, in Romans 8, that amazing chapter in Romans 8, where Paul says, we are more than conquerors. He's quoting out of the Psalms because the Israelites were so fearful that they would be conquered by the Assyrians. So you know what? (laughs) This is how God does it. And I love it. He just has an angel, no name. Just this angel go at night and just kill every single one of those 185,000 Assyrians that have besieged Jerusalem. And so the Israelites wake up in the morning and (laughs) they had conquered. They're more than conquerors. They had conquered the ones who had conquered everyone before them. And throughout Israel's history, true to form, God throws the enemy into confusion and they end up killing each other. And oh, by the way, the details in Ezekiel 38, and we'll talk about this maybe at another time, but uh, they are dealt a decimating blow against all odds. You want to talk about the impossible? Nobody comes to Israel's defense, two words, but God. And he defeats this Russian, Iranian, Turkey alliance of nations that come to invade Israel. Well, if this weren't bad enough, according to Ynet News, in addition to Russia blaming Israel, Russia is also now threatening Israel. The threat from Russia is that they will take all necessary measures in order to eliminate any threat to life and security of Russian military which assists the Syrian regime. And by the way, unprecedented, this is directly to Israel. Well, they've threatened wars and threats of wars, rumors of wars abound, but this is a first. This is unprecedented. This is directly a threat to Israel because of this. As you might imagine, amidst all the blaming and threatening, Netanyahu and Putin would deem it necessary to have a talk, which is exactly what they did according to the Times of Israel. On Tuesday, Netanyahu spoke with Putin amid the rising tensions between the two countries According to the Times, the Prime Minister conveyed sorrow over the deaths of the 
Russian soldiers and said that the responsibility for downing the plane falls on Syria, and it does. The Kremlin said that Putin emphasized that the Israeli attack violated Syria's sovereignty and also breached the Russian-Israeli agreements on avoiding clashes in Syria. The Russian leader, listen, urged Netanyahu, quote, not to allow such situations in the future. Oh, (laughs) them are fighting words. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Leading up to this week's 73rd UN General Assembly, the clarion call, like never before, is for peace and security, especially in light of the threats in Syria with all of the world's superpowers at the ready. All it takes is one click of the mouse, so to speak. You know, we talked about the rubber band can only be stretched so far for so long before it finally snaps. And that's the prophetic picture that I believe we have today. Also, the U.S. Embassy is now in Jerusalem, and for the first time, Russia, Iran, and Turkey are now allied in Syria, threatening Israel from the north. Suffice it to say, this is exactly what God's word has to say concerning what will happen at the time of the end, when they do not escape the sudden destruction coming down upon them. Let me elaborate and expound on that for just a moment, if you'll bear with me. I've shared in the past how that I'm becoming increasingly convinced that this sudden destruction that comes down upon them may happen simultaneously with what happens to we. Let me explain. The Apostle Paul, delineating between they and we, says they will not escape. But he also says, we who are alive and remain will escape in what's been called the great escape. In other words, could it be, and I know this sounds dorky, but when sudden destruction goes down, we go up. I told you that was dorky, okay? (laughs) It could happen at the same time. It would kind of fit. They won't escape. The implication being that there are those who do escape. Who are those that do escape? The we. We who are alive and remain will escape when this sudden destruction comes down. Well, all of this begs what I would submit are two questions that we would do well to ask ourselves. Here's the first one, and think about this. I'm appealing to just the, the, the logic, your God-given logic and intellect. Just think about this. What are the odds that everything taking place today 
would line up exactly and with such specificity as the Bible says. Let me uh, add to that. What are the odds? I actually had an online member, a mathematician. You got to love these these guys that are wired with their brains are just, I mean, just geniuses, right? They they love numbers, which um, anyway um, <laughs> was never my area of gifting. I can tell you that. But they actually did a calculation just as an estimation of what the statistical odds would be of just at this very time, uh, Russia, Iran, and Turkey being in Syria at this exact time. And it was something like this number to the this number power. In other words, it's a very big number. It's a big enough number to make your hair hurt, okay? Or what little, <laughs> in my case, what little hair you have to hurt. Just the statistical odds of just that at this exact and precise time. Now you add into that and factor into that equation the odds of now the embassy being in Jerusalem, the push for peace, the peace push, the clarion call for peace and security. All of the nations lined up exactly as we were told they would be. And then you factor in this, that it's happening quickly, very fast. And wouldn't it stand to reason, here's the second question, wouldn't it stand to reason with everything happening as fast as it's happening that we should be discerning the signs of the times? Let me say it another way. Wouldn't it make sense, again, just logically, I mean, just reasonably, let's, let's be reasonable. Wouldn't it make sense that as we look around at what's happening in the world today, particularly in the Middle East as it relates to Israel and specifically Jerusalem, and then we, we look at what God's Word says it will be like at the time of the end, and they match up perfectly, Wouldn't it be reasonable to conclude just logically that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled? I mean, we we want to be discerning, right? Especially when it comes to the signs of the times. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, there's this stunning, and I mean stunning, rebuke from Jesus to the Pharisees and Sadducees for not discerning the signs of the times. Listen to what he says. He says, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I think of the men of Issachar of whom we're told that they discerned the times, they understood the times that they were living in, and they knew what Israel should do. That's interesting to me, because it's not just discerning the times, it's knowing what you need to do about it. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 39 and 40. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and 
he talks to them about and teaches them about both watching and expecting his return. Listen to what he says. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, you discern the times, you realize that the time is at hand, that the Lord's return is nigh, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, you're going to wake up. You're going to start watching, because now you're expecting it. This is how I want to close. The Lord's return will not be as a thief in the night for those who are watching and expecting him to come at any hour. Now, I, I think I might need to clarify something here because, and I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this. So the question is, okay, so you've got a Christian born again, and they're not watching. Um, will they go up in the rapture? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Answer, yes. They're saved. But here's the thing. They're going to be caught off guard. Because they weren't expecting it. Contrast that with the Christian who is not just expecting it. I mean longing and aching for the Lord to return for that trumpet to sound. I want to go home already. Lord, come quickly. It's not going to be a surprise to us. Oh, we're still going to see them raptured at the same time. I, I know, you know, this is actually a false teaching about the partial rapture theory, which cannot be because it would then mean that our salvation, our redemption, is based on our works. Being a strong, watching Christian, no. There are sleeping Christians. There are Christians who are not ready, who are not watching, who are not expecting the Lord to come back. And here's the thing, they're going to be caught so off guard, and they're not going to be ready. If they're saved, if they're born again, they'll go up in the rapture. But how much more better for those of us who are expecting the Lord's return at any time? Now, this, of course, presupposes that you're born again of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, let me put it this way. If you're not born again, you will not go up in the rapture, period. If you're not born again, you will not go up in the rapture. So, how do you be born again? Well, this is why we present the gospel at the end of our prophecy updates every week. It's how to be saved. It's, it's the good news of salvation. It's how to be born again. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. 
This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's Prophecy Update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this Prophecy Update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this prophecy update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.